0: Hello, Parshas Kisisa. Here we are. The topic today will be about being yourself and also being a leader. And The truth is, when one is himself, to the best of his ability, he's also being a leader. So what does it mean to be yourself and what does it mean to be a leader and how are these two ideas intertwined and interwoven? The greatest leader of the Jewish people, was as we know it, Moshe Rabbeinu, And as we're going to see shortly, Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah highlights many of his character traits and the events about Moshe, which are discussed, highlight Moshe's journey about making decisions to be himself and nobody else, and learn his own inner landscape and living by that to the best of his ability. The first time we see in the Torah that. Discusses this, it says, Vayidah Moshe. Moshe came of age. And we know about coming of age. We call that a bar mitzvah, come of age, or a bat mitzvah, a daughter of mitzvos. Now, the truth is, it should be a ben mitzvos, ben mitzvah. Someone has a ben mitzvah when he turns 13, just like we say bat mitzvah, daughter mitzvah, son of mitzvah. So what's this language of bar as opposed to ben? Just like we say a Ben Torah, someone who is a child, a son of Torah. He lives a lifestyle of living a Torah lifestyle. So why don't we use this language of Ben Mitzvah? So the answer is because Bar is Aramaic. A chazal, the of minhag is to opt for the language of Bar. Because Bar means outside. Like we see the, in the Gemara, we have Mishnahs, and we have bar A Bar means a Raisa, a manuscript that didn't make it into the text. Wasn't ever canonized to be part of Mishnah Spider Yudanasi. So it was left outside, as it was called, a barisa. So who so do here? Coming of age, adulthood in Judaism, ideally at the age of 13, it's about reframing. And that age is the ideal time where a child can now shift his perspective inward and shift outside of himself. He goes outside, he goes bar. He's a bar mitzvah. Time for mitzvahs is also the time of seeing. What's outside, and hence we say, "Va'yigdam Moshe." Moshe came of age, and what is the next word? say, He goes out. Moshe goes outside, El Echad, to his brothers from his Egyptian palace. He ventures outside to his brethren. So there it is. And what was going on over there? Where was Moshe venturing to? Says the Chizkuni and Pesachit Bays, Parak Bays. <clears throat> Right after Moshe struck the Egyptian who was striking the brethren, at that moment, Moshe, we know how to make a decision. Who am I going to identify with? My childhood, where I was raised, the Egyptians in the Egyptian palace or my Jewish brethren. And he decided to strike the Egyptian and identify with his Jewish brothers. And it says here, he buried the Egyptian in the sand. And what was he doing there? It says, He says, he was there to help his brother's build. He didn't have to. Moshe was a prince. He was the next in line. Moshe was going to be the next Paro. The i tell us that Bissiah, Batia, was the daughter of Paro. But <clears throat> and she, was one of the, she was his firstborn. But Paro did not have sons, according to some sages' opinion. And Moshe was next in line to become the Paro. And yet, what does he opt to do? Join his brothers who were slaves in Egypt, the defining, first defining moment in the Torah where Moshe identifies with his brethren and thereby identifying himself and what his values are. To flesh out this idea, it says, we'll fast forward to Parshat Parsveikra starts, say for, for that matter, starts, Vayikra. Hashem calls out to Moshe, and as we know it, there's a small awash, in the word Vayikar. And the Baal and the Maram Bar Baruch, the shenim, they highlight this idea of like, why would Moshe write a small aleph in the Torah? So the backdrop is, Yuli Hashem told Moshe to write this aleph. Moshe did not want to write the letter aleph. He wanted to write the word Vayikar. Vayikar means to chance upon, just like by Bilam, Hashem chanced upon <clears> they want to talk with him in a dream. And there the Torah uses the language of Vayikar. And Moshe felt this way about himself. It was just by happenstance that Hashem came to him. And on that, God responded, absolutely not. I'm coming to you directly, assertively, to you, Moshe. Please write the extra Aleph, Vayikra, not Vayikar. And on that, Moshe wrote a small Aleph. He felt that he was not worthy of a full Aleph. And it begs the question, how can Moshe argue on Hashem, how Hashem just told you to write an aleph. Why are you compromising a bit, writing a small aleph? So to answer this, the netziv and the emek and Parsba where we know a small aleph also represents smallness, humility. And Parsba where the Torah openly discusses Moshe's humility, right after Lashon Har has spoken about Moshe, the Hashem says, Moshe aniv ma'od. Moshe was the most humble person in the entire world. And we have to understand what is the connection to Miriam speaking Oshanara about Moshe in this context. But Moshe there um, <clears throat> is described as the greatest, humblest man ever. And on that the Netsiv writes, unlike Rashi, unlike many were shown them, the Netsiv stolzes it out and says, This wasn't shiftless, this wasn't loneliness. That's not what another is. Nitziv says Anava is being yourself. Moshe was himself, and that's true humility—being no one else but yourself. That begs the question: How would the Nitziv reconcile the small Aleph in VaYikra? So, on that, Rav Cook explains in a few places in Ein and defends his Rebbe, the Nitziv, who he was a Talmud of the Nitziv for six months, approximately. And the Cook says, from a Kamar Menachos, said, we know every letter in the Torah cannot touch each other. Every letter in the Torah cannot go off the side of the page. And any Torah, any letter that is touching another letter, or any letter going off the side of the page, it's as if the letter is not there, and as if the Torah is lacking a single letter, which puzzles and validates the entire Torah in its entirety. So, says the Gemar Menachos, and that's the halacha, every letter needs, has two parts to it. It has the black ink, which is on the backdrop of the white parchment. Why is that so? Says the Heilu Medrash, that the Torah was given with black fire over white fire. And what that means is, there's two parts of the Torah. There's the nigla, the revealed open parts, which is in the black ink, and then there's the Kabbalistic Panemius Torah, Inner workings of the Torah, which are hidden, that takes more exploration, and there are aspects of the Torah that not necessarily will always understand. To the effect that the nikudos, the punctuation, and as well as the cantillations, the trup, they're not written in the Torah. Why? Because there are so much panemius, there's so much Kabbalah behind what the cantilations, what the songs are, what the tune is, what the punctuation is. That's all part of panemius Torah that is hidden, that is concealed within the white parchment. So to speak, that being said, says Rav Kook to explain his Rebbe the Nitziv, this if being <clears throat> true that the white is just as great and part of the each and every letter of the Torah. This is not the smallest aleph in Vayikra. This is not the smallest letter in the Torah over here. If the white is part of the letter, that means this is the biggest aleph in the Torah. And that's who Moshe was. Moshe knew all the hidden secrets, the hidden facets, the concealed Kabbalah and Penimah's Torah about every single vein of Torah. Was it realized from the outside? No, it was not seen from the outside. Moshe knew it within, and he concealed it within, so he did honor this added aleph that Hashem commanded him to write, but he wrote it small. Why? Because he carried out Hashem's commandment to 100%. If I have to write the olive, I'm going to write it because Hashem wants me to express myself as a humble person of who I am. And this is who I am. I happen to know every hidden aspect of Torah. So this is not the smallest olive. It is the biggest olive. And that's who Moshe was. And on the surface, he didn't carry himself that way because that's also who he was. So a small olive got to manifest both components, that's who he was. And on the surface, it, he did not come across that way. So that is another example where Moshe is striving just to be himself. He was who he was, as the Siv highlights. Uh, one last example. <clears throat> also, in the same uh, in the same parasha, which, when the Torah, right before the Torah describes the Yish Moshe, Adabal, Mikol, he's a humble saman. It's in the context of Tzipporah speaking Negatively with Aaron about Moshe Rabbeinu. What was Miriam's intentions? So, the Barbanel, one of the most fascinating Barbanels um, in the Torah, probably could be. The Barbanel gives three interpretations of what the underpinnings, what was the undercurrent of this back and forth between Miriam and Aaron in discussing Tziporah, Moshe's wife and her agenda to reunite them. So one, yeah, Miriam was the head of Sholem task force in Egypt. Miriam was, got her parents who had separated Yocheved and Amram, because Amram had said, as I'll teach us that, hey, if Pyro's killing all the children, it's not worth it to have more children. We're gonna separate, and that's what he did. And Miriam encouraged her parents to reunite. And because of that re-encouragement, they were united, and Moshe Benu, the leader of Jewish people, was born from Miriam's courage. So Miriam, so to speak, intervened with her parents' marriage, and because of it, had a positive result, the birth of Moshe Benu. Now, so in the same vein, Miriam felt that, hey, why is Moshe separating from Sipora after the Sinai experience? Of course, he was on such a high-level Moshe, and He had to be available on call to always speak to Hashem. So Moshe was of the opinion that, oh, I have to be on call. I can no longer, have to be taller, I have to be pure 24-7. If I'm with my wife, I'm not going to be on that state of uh, purity. So so why did Miriam now come come in to suggest to reunite? Because the Torah (laughs) had just said, there's now 70 Zakanim, there's 70 elders who are added to help Moshe issue halachas and manage things within the nation. And because once Moshe got this help, Miriam felt that Moshe would be freed up and and his time, he would have more time available. So Miriam did what she was known to do. She tried to encourage Shalmbayis and bring Zipporah and Moshe back together, which was not her place. And Now, the barbinell adds in something just unbelievable. The barbinell quotes a ron. And the ron says, the ron says that Miriam really added a few four or five words that she shouldn't have. It says, Oto a'isha kushis a'shir could have spoke to Arun about this game plan of get, about getting Moshe and Zipporah back together, but she did not have to add these words. That His wife, Moshe's wife, was a kushi. She was a black woman. It was not necessary. And on that is where Miriam went a little too far. And to the effect that Barbanel says, Kitsipporah, an amazing thing. If Barbanel says, well, what was, what was Miriam thinking to say such a thing? Why would she even go there? So Barber says something fascinating. He says like this, Poral Yosem, and Midian. Poro was from Midian. Asheru bears Kush, which is in the land of Kush, Haisa. And ha- Kush Haisa the people of Kush, they were, had a blacker, darker complexion. Why? Ki Midianim, Mishmaelim, shechorim. Because the Midianim, who were people from Midian, they were very often, came from the tribe of Ishmael. They're generally a darker, blacker complexion. Why? Because From the strength of the sun and the heat, the heat rays striking the skin. Maybe because of her complexion, Moshe was refraining from reuniting because she was not Yishar Be'enov. She wasn't attracted. He wasn't attracted to her. What? What an astounding, astounding suggestion of the Abarbanel. And the Abarbanel actually flushes out the point. He says that, well, Moshe separated for 40 days and 40 nights three times over. 40 days and 40 nights by the first Luchos. 40 days, 40 nights to pray for the forgiveness after the aftermath of the Cheta Egel, the golden calf, and another 40 days and nights to go get the second set of Torah, this is the Torah, second time to get the new tablets. So for 120 days, Moshe Rabbeinu was refraining from eating, drinking, indulging any taivas, any desires. So perhaps in the aftermath, once he had already reached such a level and he lost somewhat of his desire for physicality, it was compounded by this darker complexion of his wife And maybe Moshe was not willing to go back to his wife. And on that, Miriam called him out on it. And on that, Moshe responded in his own mind. I don't know how the Barbanel knows this, but he says, what are you talking about? I didn't learn the second parakev of Kedushin. You're not allowed to marry anyone without seeing her. I saw my wife. I know what she looks like. I'm very attracted. That's not your place. So the Barbanel sort of defends without it ever being spoken from Moshe's lips, but he defends what was possibly Moshe's mindset, that he knew his place, he was attracted, this was his wife, and the Brabantle's not the only one to mention, and downplay Zipporah, the Ibn Ezra too. The Ibn Ezra elsewhere suggests that the reason why the kahuna, the priesthood, was given to Arun and not to Moshe, astounding, Ibn Ezra had to do with their wives. Arun's wife was uh, from the sister of Nachshon ben Adav, and, uh, and Moshe's wife was uh, was not was not in the same uh, yichus so to speak. So Tzipora gets a lot of slack, but to her defense, the Kifur Hashem, the Maharal, probably defends Moshe's decision of taking Tzipora. An amazing, amazing comment. The Maharal says, "Why did Moshe take Tzipora? She wasn't from the Jewish nation." And the Maharal answers, "Because, because." He was not from the Jewish nation. Because we know the measure says that Moshe was correspondent, was connected, was on the same level of all the Jewish people together. Moshe on one side of the scale and the Jewish people on the other side of the scale, there would have been an even Mosnaim, an even scale. If Moshe was equal to all the Jewish people, so he cannot marry someone within the Jewish people, because Ishto Kagufo, if it's was someone from the Jewish people, so that means that a wife is equal to her husband, and if it's equal, but then she's on the other side of the scale with the Jewish people, it's on an equal scale. It's his wife plus the remaining Jewish people. So he had to marry someone outside, because your wife becomes inherently part of yourself, and that way, the status quo of Moshe, who was on a level of holiness and <clears throat> greatness as the entire Jewish people. It had to be such that his wife had to be outside the nation so Moshe could retain the status quo of being equal to all the Jewish people and Moshe knew that and he knew who he was. He knew what he needed to do. He knew the type of woman that he needed to marry. He knew he was attracted to her as the Barbanel points out and as the Maharal says, he knew what he was getting into. He called the spade a spade. This is who I am. This is what I need. This is how I'm venturing forward and Moshe for we <clears> see <throat> once and again he was himself, and he did not bend to any other uh, conform to what others thought he did what he felt was a ratun Hashem to the best of his ability um, I'll just finish with a a um, partial and the when, after the aftermath of again the uh golden calf so Hashem tells Moshe to go down from the mountain leave go down from this mountain Har Sinai. the people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt so Moshe is essentially kicked off the mountain what did he do wrong he did not partake in the Chet Egell he so, like, says, going down, going down. Hashem just didn't tell Moshe to go down. He said, go down from your greatness. I made you great, Moshe, for the sake of B'nai Yisrael. That's why you're great. But now that the people are not great at this point in time, they've sinned, your purpose of being elevated, of being great is now negated. Moshe, <laughs> your supernatural strength, your greatness, it, it left him at that moment. It needed to leave because his whole purpose of being the leader was now completely gone. He had to now come down and to the fact that Moshe was, what the message here is, that Moshe was coming down to the Jewish people because a leader has to identify and be there where his people are at. The Moshe therefore adjusted in order to relate he didn't compromise his values his personal and desire to grow was in place, he simply in that moment, like the beginning of Moshe's story where he came out of the Egyptian palace to identify with the yiddin. once again he comes down from the mountain to identify where the B'nai Therol was at, we'll finish with the story the story is from the son of the Tzemach Tzedek, the Marash the um, the Mar- excuse me, the Rashab. The Rashab was one of the Wab- rabbis of Chabad, of Abavich. And uh, he had two sons. One took over the Hasidus. That was the, uh, the uh, uh, Marash, took over the Hasidus. And he wasn't even the oldest. He was not the uh, oldest. He had, a younger- he had an older brother, the Razav the Rizav, the Zalman Aaron, And basically, the, um, back in Europe, back in the town of Bochavich, uh, you know, there was no uh, there was no TV, there was no internet, there was no entertainment. In these cities, these shtetls, there was, what was there already? So, <clears throat> two kids, the Marash and the Rizav. One was uh, six years old, the Rizav at the time was eight years old, and uh, they Wanted some entertainment. They wanted to have a good time. So uh, so they decided, you know what, we're going to play. Well, let's play Rebbe. Let's play being a Rebbe. So the uh, older brother, Rizav, said, that's a great idea. You know what, I'll be the Rebbe and you, you're my younger brother, you'll be the Chassid. Okay, so I'll go first. So Zav goes first. that puts on his father strimal, perhaps. He sits at the near the desk of his father, the Marash, and, uh, and, uh, the Marash, excuse me, the comes in, his six-year-old little brother comes in to his brother, who's all dressed up, tells his brother, Rebbe, uh, I need you to help, and, uh, I did something really, really bad. So Razav at eight years old, acting like the Rebbe, says, well, what did you do? His younger brother says, well, I, Ivy, I ate something, and I I I didn't bench. I forgot to bench. And this is the worst of error the boy could probably think of. So the result, eight years old, he stroked his imaginary beard, and he chuckled, He closed his eyes. He says, "You know what? I have an idea. From now on." You cannot bench by heart. You have to use a bencher. Oh. So his younger brother, the Mirage says, nah, You're not a Rebbe. Ah, what do you mean I'm not a Rebbe? Ah, no, 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 you're not a Rebbe. So, what do you mean I'm not a Rebbe? So, you know, we know Tata, their father, who was the real Rebbe. When, it, when someone came in, <laughs> Our Abba, our Tata knows and someone's in distress. He does something, and you missed it. You didn't. You didn't do it. Well, what did I do? He says, Tata, he lets out a crack. He lets out a sigh of pain and brokenness. Oh, he does. Oh, you're right. He does. Wow. A Rebbe has to let out a crack. He has to let out a sigh. His, whatever the clock says, you can have yours, I can have mine, but, ta, but Tata has his. Why? He says, well, we have to identify, we have to feel no matter where the, the chassid is at, we have to feel where his pain is at. Um, we're all learning our identity, we're all in uh, works in progress, trying to discover ourselves like the like the Rizav, like the Marash, we're all Rebbe's. Everyone's learning, trying to figure things out. Even Moshe Rabbeinu from day one, trying to figure out who I am. But the more we figure out who we are, the less we are within our own skin, and the more we can come out of our own skin, we can be a a real bar mitzvah outside, do mitzvahs and act in the way of Hashem, we're outside ourselves. The more we're outside ourselves, because we're comfortable from within, we're able to be outside ourselves. The more we're outside ourselves, we can feel other people's pain. We can identify with other people. You know, there's always two types of mindsets. When a Rebbe, a Rav, a parent, a husband, walks into a room, a person in the back of their mind can think, oh, here I am, here I am. He Walks in with his roommates. His roommates are there, relaxing, chilling. The guy walks in, Ah, here I am, here I am, or... First, person could think, of oh, there you are, there you are, there you are, ah, there you are, ah, so these are two different mindsets a person could have, and the more we're comfortable in our shoes, the more we can be outside ourselves, and think of, there you are, here where the other person is at, Kachavis, Kachavis.